Do you remember when you used to ask for directions? Remember back in those days when you used to have to ask for directions because you didn't carry a GPS around with you every single moment of every single day? Anyone who's under 30 probably doesn't remember this. You'd have to actually ask for directions because the only instruction you had to get from point A to point B was the Melway, right? Do you remember it? You remember the Melway? It used to uh, sit in the footwell of your back seat with your club lock, yeah? And, and the, the sunshades for your windscreen. Yeah, it was all back there. And you'd have to open up the Melway and in the index find the location that you needed, find which map that was on, and then you'd open it up to the map, you'd find your destination, and then you'd have to like trace it back to the maps that your location was on and try and connect them together in the quickest, easiest way possible. There was nothing telling you that it was busy on the road, didn't tell you if it was a toll road, it didn't tell you if there was an accident, you just had to work it out yourself. And if you were lucky, you had someone sitting next to you who'd be like following the map along and be like, okay, at at the next road, turn left. Siri thinks she came up with that. No, no, it was the poor passenger who had to follow along on the railway, right? And if you got lost or if anything went wrong, 100% it was that person's fault, right? It was huge responsibility to hold the map. This is how we had to get around. And if you found that you were completely lost, you couldn't work out where you were, you couldn't find yourself on the map, then you would have to pull over and ask someone for directions. Some poor unsuspecting pedestrian that's just walking along, minding their own business, and all of a sudden they kind of sense this car slowing down and kind of tracking them as they're walking along. And if you have an overly active imagination like I do, you think, okay, they're either going to ask for directions or I'm about to get kidnapped, right? And to be honest, as an introvert who hates giving people the wrong directions, I couldn't work out which one was going to be worse. People would have to stop and ask for directions. But there was always someone, always someone, whether it's in your family or in your circle of friends, who refused to turn and ask for directions. Right? They would be lost for hours. They would be so late to their destination because they refused to pull over and ask for directions. If you're sitting next to that person, feel free to give them an elbow in their ribs just to remind them, we remember, you refused to pull over. We had to stop and ask for directions to get from one place to the other if the path that we were on was so wrong that we got lost. You know, all of us are on a journey. Every single person is on a journey to get from point A to point B. And we might be going there strongly, we might be going there with authority, 
We might be so far lost, but we don't even know it. But everyone is on a journey. And as Christians, as people who follow God through Jesus Christ, we believe that he is the best pathway for us to be on. That for us to have a life of hope and love and grace and purpose, and for us to finish our race in the best way possible, then we want to be on the pathway with Jesus Christ that leads us to a life with purpose and a life eternally with God. But there are so many other pathways in our world. There are so many opportunities for us to take different pathways to give us purpose and to give us what we feel we need in life. There are so many different avenues. There are different religions. There are different pathways towards being financially fulfilled. There's pathways about you know, having everything that our family could ever want. We take that pathway and we commit wholeheartedly to it. There's pathways about our careers and our, and our jobs and our businesses and we give wholeheartedly to that. There's pathways towards our, our relationships and doing everything we can for our relationships. There are pathways about taking holidays and living life to the max and doing everything that just feels good. And none of these pathways are necessarily wrong We all have these things in our life. But if that is the only pathway we are taking, and if that is our goal and our focus, then our life is missing something of deep, deep meaning. And if you, like me, associate with lots of different people in your life, not just people within the church and within the faith, you'll find that so many people are on different pathways. And some people are not even factoring the Jesus pathway into their life. Tom Wright, who is an English writer and writes books and commentates on, on the Bible, an incredibly intelligent man, writes this about Ephesians. Often today, people don't believe there's much wrong with the human race and with themselves in particular. All that God then has to offer, it seems, is a kind of spiritual enhancement of ordinary life, a gentle enrichment of what's already there, rather than a radical rescue from imminent disaster. What an incredible quote to remind us that so often, even those who would call themselves Christians add God on top of what we already do in our lives. And it's something that's nice. We always know he's there. It's just something to make it a little bit better, a little bit more meaningful. But without it, right, is saying, without God in our lives, we are heading to imminent disaster. The Apostle Paul said it in different ways. 
probably even more bluntly, as the Apostle Paul tends to do, in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look today at Ephesians 2 at the first 10 verses. The first three verses explains this imminent disaster that Tom Wright is talking about. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, the Apostle Paul says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. This is putting it right out there. Can I advise you, if you are talking to your non-Christian friends and trying to maybe help them understand what life with God means, don't start with that sentence, all right? As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. And the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit, that's the evil spirit, the Satan, not the Holy Spirit, the evil spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. This is when we try and fill our lives with everything that only the world offers. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Here, Paul is putting very bluntly what life is like when we choose a pathway that does not follow God through Jesus Christ. It's dead end after dead end after dead end. And if you, like me, have heard anything in the news over the last week, you will have heard that last year's census, the results, some of the results came out this week. And the very first result that I heard about, that was broadcast even by our secular media, was that religion had gone down. Five years earlier, 52% of people in Australia associated and affiliated themselves as Christian. And in just five years, it dropped to 44%. Under half of Australia now associate themselves as Christian. And not only that, but those who feel they have no religion, no affiliation, went from 30% to 40%. 10% rise over just five years. You see, when people used to hear the word Christian, even if it wasn't something that they necessarily did, it used to have positive connotations. It used to be people who were kind, who were generous. Maybe they volunteered, they were a part of charities, or they had good values. That was always the thing. The Christians well, they have good values. But unfortunately, that term is not what it used to be. Just this week, I was having dinner with a group of friends. Uh, there's four of us in this tight-knit group of friends. And three of us would associate as being Christians. Come the census, we would have ticked Christian confidently. We all go to church, we all tithe, we're all heavily involved. Our faith is pivotal in the decisions that we make. One of the friends in this circle would have ticked no religion in the census, very confidently and very comfortably. She was telling us this week that a little while ago, she was talking to another circle of her friends, 
all non-Christians. And for some reason or other, she started talking about us. And it just so happened that she mentioned that we were Christians. Her friendship circle, her friend's response, are you kidding me, they said to her. Are you serious? Are you really friends with Christians? And here, my non-religious friend had to defend us by saying, you are my friends and you're good people, right? So I am friends with good people. So even though this other group of friends of mine, they're Christians, they are actually good people as well. Oh, boy, have I been carrying that around in my mind all week. How heavy is that to hear? That people are writing us off automatically because we're Christians. Because no longer do so many people in our society see Christian as positive and good values and helpful and loving. But now they see us as a group of people who actually hate and fight against the things that are important to them. We are racist, we are sexist, we are bigoted. And that's even before we put the layer of child abuse over all of that. Not everyone thinks this way about Christians. But I would say particularly in our younger generations, this is, this is the connotation that comes when you say the word Christian. Boy, has our world changed. And it's a heavy message that I have been carrying this week with that knowledge. But not all is lost. There was another survey that was done last year called the NCLS, the National Church Life Survey. This is a group of researchers that find out the level of spirituality within communities. And the NCLS did a survey in Australia and discovered that even though the census has told us that only 44% of people call themselves Christian, the NCLS discovered that 55% of Australians believe there is a God or a higher being. And in fact, six out of 10 people in Australia pray or meditate in some way. Because even though the word Christian may have negative connotations, even though may, people may have had a bad experience with church or with faith or with people who call themselves Christians, people are still seeking. People are still needing direction. People are still searching for something greater in their life. And John Dixon, who's uh, an Australian uh, a lecturer and writer. When he looked at the census and the NCLS, this was his response. People in Australia may be less religious, but they're still looking for something that makes sense of life, for meaning. And currently in Australia, given the wealth and educated country that it is, there are a lot of levers that can be pulled to provide that meaning. Lots of avenues within Australia who makes us feel like we have meaning and purpose that isn't God. 
But Dixon goes on. And I'm confident enough in who Jesus is and what he offers in those categories to allow Aussies to have a red-hot crack at making meaning for themselves without any transcendent view of how the world operates. Not overconfident in a you'll-be-back kind of way, but confident enough to know that, as David Foster Wallace, an author, put it, anything else that you worship will eat you alive. We are now in a culture that when someone writes, you'll be back, they're probably referencing Hamilton the musical, then they're referencing the Terminator. But here Dixon is saying that there is still the search for meaning. There is still the search for something greater in life. And it is so good that the Apostle Paul did not just write verses 1 to 3 of Ephesians 2 and talk about how we are dead in our transgressions, but he goes on in Ephesians 2 from verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us in with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And if you want a greater understanding of where God has placed you and where he has brought you into and how he brings you into your family, then go back and listen to Tim's sermon from Ephesians 1 last week where he talks about us all being adopted and the place that that puts us next to God enjoying all of his riches. This is what God brings us through Jesus Christ in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. You see, we live with the reality that we are dead in our transgressions and sin, that our world is lost and looking for meaning. But that is not the end of the story. Through Jesus Christ, we are shown the grace, the mercy, the kindness, the riches of our God in heaven. And that it is a gift given to each of us freely. It is a gift that is there for you now. Maybe you've never accepted that gift. Maybe you've never fully understood the path that you are on and the path that God desires for you. Maybe you have made that decision. But it was so long ago that sometimes we tend to forget what it's like not to have God in our lives. And if you're anything like me, maybe you grew up in a Christian home and you've always been surrounded by that message of hope and grace in your lives. But today is a reminder for us that people are on pathways that are leading to dead ends. And yet the message of God through Jesus Christ is something that can transform their lives. 
I want to introduce you to a friend of mine called Belle. She's a neighbour of mine and uh, I've known her for a couple of years and her and her husband and her son have been coming to one for about a month. And I, I've asked her to share with us today the difference that having Jesus Christ in her life has meant. And I encourage you to look to the screen to hear that. Hi, I am Belle and... A little bit of my story is that I have now found Christ in my life and it's changed my life phenomenally. Um, prior to that, I was always a seeker. So I did look for God and find God in some ways in my life, but it would always only take me so far. I traveled down many different paths, you know, Buddhism, um, shamanism, a whole bunch of things. and. Whilst I gained something from those, um, those pathways, there was always something that was missing for me. And I always found myself almost back at the beginning again. And it wasn't until recently when I came back to the Bible again and back to Christianity that I really realised what it was. And it, it summed up really beautifully for me by a friend of mine who's a spiritual director who said that... Um, what was missing for her when she went down those pathways, which is the same for me, was that personal relationship with God that nothing else really offered to me. And so whilst on this journey and through a particularly dark night of my soul a little while ago, um, and I was trying everything that I knew to reconnect to that place in my heart and to reconnect to God and nothing was working. And it actually happened to me in a dream when I called out to Jesus and I was... Um, filled with light and peace and that turned me back to Christianity and so I read the Bible or started to read the Bible again and this is the thing that I guess is the the deep connection for me is Jesus's words and I came back to know Jesus and I turned to Jesus and asked for his guidance and it changed everything for me and I'm still on the journey clearly However, it's so much easier. That's the main thing for me is that having Jesus in my life and allowing him to be the connection to God means that I have a relation, a personal relationship with God. Jesus is so much easier to connect to as a human being. You know, I can talk to him. I feel like he's my friend and he's there with me. And it's a clear guide how to live a life of love and peace and coming back to the Bible and Jesus's word, it's this complete manual for me every day. And there's no questions about it. If I follow that, then I feel that peace and that love. And I'm not called to have to do any, you know, outrageous things. I don't have to do restrictive things and weird postures or anything like that. I just have to follow the word, pray and connect to Jesus. And now my life is it's easier. You know, I get to, all I need to do is love people, listen to Jesus's word and follow the Bible. And I have that peace now. And it's not to say I don't have challenges. I have lots of them, but it's like, I'm not doing it alone. And I feel peace and I feel hope and I have faith again. And it's like a heavy weight's been lifted. And I just, I just don't have to do it on my own anymore. And I would love you know, for everybody else to be able to discover that for themselves too.
Amen, right? How great is that? Because so often when we go through life and faith and when we meet people on different pathways, to show them who Jesus is isn't just so that our numbers go up in the census. It's not just so that we bring people onto our side and we feel better because our church is full. But it's that peace and that grace and that love and that we want our friends and our families, our neighbours, our loved ones to do life and not be alone and have a purpose in their life that is greater than just a bank balance or a career or to fulfil the family's needs. And that's why one of our four core values in our church is to be a church of disciple makers. Not to make ourselves feel better or to fill our churches or whatever it might be, but so that people can come in contact with a God who loves them so much that he sent Jesus Christ to give them peace and give them grace and give them hope. And so our value of being a church of disciple makers is to be equipped and sent to make disciples in all our spheres of influence, in our homes, workplaces, neighbourhoods, schools, online and around the world. Our passion is to help people to, to discover Jesus, experience his love and grace and join us as we follow him. Everything we do serves this goal, to make disciples. Just as the good shepherd left the 99 sheep to go after the one, we will join with him to do the same. Because the, when Paul is talking about pathways in our lives, that every other pathway leads to a dead end, he reminds us in Ephesians 2 that we have a greater pathway to God through Jesus Christ, who is a free gift of grace and love and kindness and compassion and hope, but he doesn't leave it there. He calls us to something greater as well. In Ephesians 2 verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. How much greater is a work for us to do than help people understand who God is through Jesus Christ? What greater gift could we give someone than to open them to a pathway that leads to God through Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ who lived, who understood, who taught. And the more that we learn about Jesus and who he is and what he has called us to do, it gives us the, the guide, the direction on our pathways to know what to do and how to love and how to serve. Francis Fulkes, who writes for the Tyndale uh, New Testament commentaries, puts it so beautifully by saying the purpose of God for his church, as Paul came to understand it, reaches beyond itself, reaches beyond the church, beyond the salvation, beyond the enlightenment and the recreation of individuals within the church, beyond the church's unity and fellowship, beyond even its witness to the world. The church is to be the exhibition of the whole creation 
of the wisdom and love and grace of God in Christ. This is the direction we are to be given. So often I step into our neighbourhoods, into our workplaces, and I think, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. You can see people on the wrong path, but they're not asking for help. What can I do? I can't give direction if they're not asking for it. This is how we are to live our lives. That every time we speak, are we speaking with wisdom and grace and love of God in Christ Jesus? Every time we act, are we acting with wisdom and grace and love of God in Christ Jesus? Every time we give advice, every time we speak, every time we change direction, every time we explain to someone why we do what we do in our lives, do we do it with wisdom and love and grace of God in Jesus Christ? Because if every single person of the 44% of people who ticked Christian on the census lived their life in such a way that people couldn't help but see the wisdom and love and grace of God in Jesus Christ, our country would be transformed. Because that is what God calls us to do. And Jesus put it even more simply than that in John 13. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus does not say a new command I give to you, always be right. Jesus does not say a new command I give to you, Always speak in verses. A new command I give to you, always be you know, ready with an answer and never listen. Jesus says, a new command I give to you, love. We've clearly got this wrong because no longer does Christian equal love anymore. But God does. And Jesus Christ was the greatest example of love we could ever imagine and ever experience. And he invites us along the path with him. Maybe you have never made that decision yourself. Maybe you, have, you are, are on a path and you are trying and seeking to find meaning and purpose and it just hasn't cut it. And maybe even today you are thinking, well, maybe there's something more. Maybe there's something greater. The greatest thing about God is that we don't have to do anything to earn this free gift. He gives it freely and willingly, and it is there for us already. And if you want to receive that gift, it is so simple. In fact, let's close our eyes and bow our heads. This gift that we have given, all we have to do is say, God, I recognize that the paths I have taken have not given me purpose and meaning. But God, I need something more. And I think that might be you. 
And so, God, I invite you into my life. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. And I believe that you have a gift for me of love and grace and acceptance. God, I want to put aside the dead-end roads and I want to follow you to a pathway of life and love. Amen. That's all people have to do to receive Jesus. But it's so important to, I guess, draw a line in the sand and have a moment where you acknowledge, this is what I have done. But my guess would be that most of us here today have already made that commitment. And most of us here, whether you're watching online or whether you're here in the building, most of you realize that you are already on that path and you are striving to stay on that path as best as you can. And I would love to pray for us all as we continue on that path to try and stay on a path that speaks wisdom and love and grace to our community so that all will know that Jesus Christ is the best thing we could ever have in our lives. Will you join with me as I pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift that you have given us. We thank you that every single day, as Belle said, we don't need to do life on our own, but we do it with you by our side. We thank you for the peace that you give us. We thank you for the love and the grace that we have received through you. We thank you for the guidance and the discernment through the Holy Spirit that you give to us every single day. But God, we want to live a life of purpose. And we want to live the life that you have called us to live. So God, I pray that each one of us as we go out into our families, as we go out into our neighbourhoods, as we go out into our workplaces and amongst our friends and family. God, through your Holy Spirit, fill us with your wisdom. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your grace. So when the time comes where someone may ask us for direction, we are so filled with your Holy Spirit of wisdom and love and grace that they already can see and they already have heard that the pathway for us to be on to you is through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Be with us, Lord. Let us know that you are there to guide us so that we can be a church of disciple makers honouring you with everything we do and everything we say. And we pray this in your glorious, gracious name. Amen.